Well, I want you to open your Bibles with me today to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, you know we have talked about it a lot today. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks. We're going to keep talking about it to make sure that we're all kind of in sync here. We're, we're reading through God's Word in six months. And as we walk through this next six months, what we're going to be doing is all of our sermons are going to be flowing from what we're reading in that week. And so we started on Friday. We read Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 5. We read the story of creation. Matt read Genesis chapter 1 this morning. Uh, Then yesterday we read Genesis chapter 6 through Genesis chapter 11. Today, Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis chapter 18. It's about five or six. I said a few weeks ago, three. And I I got home and my kids said, you're you're dumb. And so I I I don't know, I misspoke. But regardless, about five or six chapters a day. Takes about 25 minutes. And if you're behind... If you haven't started yet, good news, because today you can go home and in about 45 minutes or an hour, you could probably read Genesis chapter 1, because some of the chapters are short, Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 18. You can do it today and you can get caught up. If you wait till next week, it's going to be painful. And so start today, if you've not already done it, Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 18. And today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, because I've entitled today's sermon, A Fresh Start. How many want a fresh start in 2021? Raise your hand. How many of you want 2021 to look radically different than last year? Like all of us would say, absolutely. You said radically different. You know that could be radically worse and radically better. Let's go for radically better. What do you think of that, right? And so we all want a fresh start. And so today what I want to do is I want to kind of take us to a passage that we're really familiar with. And we can learn from this passage kind of some ideas on how we can understand what a fresh start looks like. And we're going to look at two different stories that are found within the the Genesis story of Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 11. Uh, One's going to be in Genesis chapter 3, and then we'll also jump into Genesis chapter 8 in a few moments. But we're going to see what fresh starts look like so that we can have the fresh start that we're looking for. Now, before we jump into that passage, you know, last week I shared from Philippians chapter 3. As we talked about how we can make sure that we're putting what is past behind us and looking forward to what is ahead. And I read this passage, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, where it says this. It says, brothers, I do not consider, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. So think about that statement, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. That's a perfect verse for the transition from one year to the next. It's a perfect transition from 2020 to anything. Like forgetting what was behind and looking forward to what is ahead. Because we want next year to look different. We want next year to be, this year, to be awesome. We want it to be an incredible experience. And so today I want to take us into Genesis chapter 3 so that we can kind of get a little bit of a glimpse of of what it looks like, of how we can kind of sweep away the past and we can walk into the future by looking at some people who didn't do that. Now, Genesis chapter 3, in case you've already kind of peeked ahead and kind of looked and see what that passage is about, it's a familiar story. It's when Adam and Eve are in the garden. It's after creation, Genesis chapter 1. It's after, you know, God made them male and female and two shall become one and all that kind of stuff in Genesis chapter 2. Now, they're in the garden. And they're in the garden, this place that was created as perfection. I mean, God created an amazing place for them to live. You know the story, right? And so Adam and Eve are there. They'd gotten their marching orders from God. Everything was in perfect unity. There was no division in the Garden of Eden. There was no anger in the Garden of Eden. There was no separation in the Garden of Eden. Uh, There was no Twitter arguments and anger in the the Garden of Eden. People weren't fighting on Facebook in the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine what that would look like? 
you know, like Adam went to his computer and Eve went to there, and they started fighting over politics. No Republicans or Democrats in the Garden of Eden. Like everybody was like in perfect unison, exactly the way God intended for it to be. God created perfection, and that's where they were living. But you know that God had one rule. Can you imagine like, like living in, in the world where there's only one rule, and that one rule is don't eat fruit? <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> Throw in vegetables and we're good, right? And so God said, just don't, like, don't eat of that one tree, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Is, I'm sorry, doctor. I, I, I know I looked at you. I saw, I, I saw a smirk on your face when I said no fruit. And I, I was kidding. It was a joke, right? Okay. So in the middle of the garden, like, so, so, you know, don't eat of that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because on that day when you eat of that tree, you will surely what? Die. And so there's this one rule. And it probably was a pretty simple rule to follow, because if someone told you, hey, don't do this or you'll die, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to do that, right? So like if today, if Marcus, if I told you like after church today, don't go out that door, because if you go out that door, right outside that door, there's a puddle out there, that one puddle, if you step in that puddle, it's acid, it's going to kill you. Can I guarantee you that's not the door you're going to go out when you leave church today, right, Marcus? Am I right about that? Like you're not going out that door, you're going to stay away from that door. Now, if you did happen to walk out that door, you're going to walk very carefully, and you're probably going to open the door for someone else to go first, right, to make sure that you miss that one puddle that's got the acid in You're not going to do what you are told is going to kill you. And so there's one rule. Adam and Eve are told, stay away from that tree. And you know, you know the rest of the story, right? So Adam and Eve are minding their own business, doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? Adam's over here doing something. Eve's over here doing something. And all of a sudden, the serpent slithers in. And whenever a snake shows up, you know it's bad news, right? The serpent slithers in, and the serpent comes in and tells Eve, listen, why why are you not eating of that tree? It looks pretty good. I mean, that tree looks awesome. The the fruit on that tree, that's like like the Chick-fil-A of the Garden of Eden right over there. I mean, there's like, if there were more people alive, there'd be a line going through the drive-thru right now. Why are you not eating of that tree? And Eve said, "Well, well, God told us if we eat of that tree, that on that day we will surely die. And of course, you know, the serpent says, that's not true. That, that, that's, that's not, that's, that's a lie. The reason that God doesn't want you to eat of that tree is because when you eat of that tree, you're going to be like God. Now, you know where Satan fell, right? You know what, what went wrong in his journey, right? It's because he wanted to not be an angel. He wanted to be what? Like God, right? And so, so he tells Eve, no, that, that tree is fine. You eat of that tree, man, you're going to be like God. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be cool. You're going to be like the one who created you. So Eve, she fell for it. She believed it. So she went over, she ate of the tree. And of course, you know, misery loves company, right? So she immediately calls after Adam. Adam, hey, come, this thing is awesome. This is like, this is amazing. You've got to have some of this. And so, you know, so Adam then ate of the tree and instantly their eyes were open. You know the story. Instantly they recognized they'd messed up. Instantly they recognized shame, which had never been before. Instantly they recognized division, which had never existed. Instantly they recognized where they had blown it. And that's where we pick up our story today, because from that story we can learn some great truths on how to put the past behind and how to look forward to what is ahead. And the first thing that we need to understand, because in this story, you know the story, is that Adam and Eve, they, they, after they sinned, after they ate of the tree, they, they then began shame, and so you know, it says they went and they got some fig leaves and they, you know, stitched them together to make some clothes, right? And they did all that kind of stuff because they were ashamed. 
And so what they began to do is they began to hide from God. And so we pick up on the story with the, the question, the idea is, like, what are we hiding from? What is it that we're hiding from? Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. It says, then the man and the wife, that's Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid themselves from the Lord God. You ought to underline that in your Bible if you can, or highlight it in your Bible app. They hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden. This is Adam speaking. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now, the couple things that we need to recognize from this passage is, number one, the, the question that, Ad, that God asked of Adam was a rhetorical question. When he said, where are you? God knew exactly where he was. So the first lesson we can learn is this, you cannot hide from God, and yet we try to all the time. So often in our journey, we do like Adam and Eve did. We, we allow ourselves to fall into sin. We allow ourselves to walk down a road, a path that we should not walk down. And we get down that path, and we think that because we're there, because we have done what we know we should not have done, that we figure that if we can figure out a way to kind of sew together the fig leaves of lives in our own journey, that we can hide from God. And so it says, when they heard the Lord God walking in the garden in the evening breeze, that means at the end of the day, they hid themselves from God. So what are you hiding from today? They were hiding from their sin and they were hiding from their shame. And I kind of think that probably there's some people in this room that are doing the same thing. That we in our journey, we're hiding from our sin, and we're hiding from our shame, we're hiding from our pain of our past, we're hiding from all of the things that hurt us yesterday, and because we are allowing ourselves to hide from what hurt us yesterday, you know what happens when you're hiding, right? When Adam and Eve were hiding in the garden, guess what was not being done? What was not being done is what God had intended for them to do. What God had called them to do, what God had instructed them to do, the journey that God had prepared for them. And remember now, God created the Garden of Eden, and it was what? Matt said it earlier like seven times in reading that passage. It was what? It was good. And so God's plan for us, His path for us, is a good path. It is a good journey. And I know we have good days and we have bad days, and we have great days and we have broken days, we have days where we're smiling and laughing and we have days where we're in pain. I get it. But all in all, over you know, the grand scheme of things, God's plan is a great plan. And that is what God has prepared for us. But know this, when we allow ourselves to be held back by the, the pain of yesterday, when we're allowing ourselves to hide from what we're going through, when we are fixated on what was, what we are not experiencing and what is not being done is experiencing all the goodness that God has in store for us. And that's the first lesson we need to learn today. There are people in this room that are hiding out because of yesterday. And understand, recognize that in your journey, in my journey, in all of our journeys, our greatest tomorrows are always being stifled by the pain of our past. That we're looking back at what was, and because of what was, we don't look forward to what God has tomorrow, what God has next. So what are you hiding from today? When Adam and Eve were there in the garden, they, they knew. Adam was smart enough. Listen, he knew God had created everything that there was. Adam knew he didn't create the animals. He knew he didn't create the earth. He didn't create the sun and the, the moon and the stars. He knew he didn't create the woman. He knew that God did that. 
And so he knew that God was all-powerful. He knew that God was all-knowing. And so knowing that God did that, Adam was not dumb enough to think that God didn't understand what they had done. He was not dumb enough to believe that he could hide from God. He was not dumb enough to believe that he would get away with it. He knew what he had done was wrong, and he knew there was consequence to come, and yet he still hid. Listen, the greatest lesson we can learn from Genesis chapter 3 is do not allow what you did yesterday to stop what God wants to do tomorrow. So don't hide. Quit hiding. But you know what naturally what hiding does? If we continue to hide, if we continue to do what Adam and Eve did, you know what comes next, right? It's a natural progression. It happens. It's, it's like automatic. It's like instantaneous that when we hide out because of our yesterdays, when we hide out because of our sin, when we hide out because of our pain, we hide out because of what went on yesterday, that naturally what happens next if we continue to live in that is that we begin to play the blame game. We begin to play the blame game. Look in verse 11. It says, then God asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from that tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And then the man replied, well, wait a minute, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from that tree and I ate. And so the Lord God asked the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, it was the serpent, he deceived me and I ate. And so you recognize what happened here, right? Because we all do it. Let's be honest. We learned this from the time, the, like, like we learned mama and dada, and he did it, not me, right? Those are the first things we learned when we were kids, right? We were good at blaming others for what happened in our journey. We're good at blaming others for the mistakes that we made. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. They began to play the blame game. But notice this now, when Adam was approached by God, said, God, Adam, did you eat of that tree? Did you go through the, the Chick-fil-A drive-thru in the garden there? The, get the, did you eat that fruit I told you not to eat? And instantly, Adam, rather than saying, yes, sir, I did, I'm sorry, I'm so, he said, no, Eve gave it to me, but he didn't say that. We always say, well, the, you know, the woman was the problem. The woman caused all the issues. Here's what Adam said. Adam said, God, that woman that you gave to me, in other words, he was not only blaming Eve, he was blaming God. Ever done that? Ever sat back and, God, if you'd only done this? God, if you did this? God, you caused this. God, why did you let this happen? We've all asked that question. You see, Adam blamed God for what was going through, and he blamed Eve because he could not take responsibility, which is another great lesson we can learn from Genesis chapter 3. You will never be able to experience the great tomorrows that God has in store when you do not take responsibility for the mistakes you've made in your past. If you cannot own up to what you've done, you cannot experience what God wants to do. And so we see this story, Adam, listen, that woman you gave me, that woman you created, he ought to be careful here because, you know, God was all-powerful and God could have like sent a lightning bolt if he would have believed Adam because Adam wanted this. Adam wanted to get away from all responsibility, right? He wanted all to fall onto Eve. Do you get that? Now, understand this. If Adam would have thought it through, he would recognize that if God believed him, that God could have struck that woman dead and then Adam would have been there without a woman. That would not have been a good picture. And so Adam didn't want to take any responsibility whatsoever. Then Eve did the same thing. Eve said, that, that serpent, that serpent came in and, and, and deceived me. Do you know what Eve admitted here? This is amazing what Eve admitted. Eve admitted to God himself, God, I believed 
Satan over you. I believe that you lied to God and that Satan was being honest. Think about that statement for a moment. And recognize this, that every time that in your life you allow yourself to walk into temptation and then allow yourself to walk into sin, and then you allow yourself to believe that this sin is not a big deal and it's not wrong and I can keep living in my sin, here's what you're doing. You're doing the same thing Eve did. You're saying this, God, I believe Satan's lie over you. I believe that sin is not going to destroy me. I believe I can do this and get away with it. I believe that this will not hurt me, God. I believe, God, that you are a liar. And every time that we continue to live in sin, that's what we're saying. We're playing the blame game because we can't own up to it. We can't take responsibility for it. And we will never be able to move past the yesterdays if we continue to allow everyone else to take the blame for our own actions. So in this passage, we learn these powerful lessons that, that oftentimes we don't really pick up. Because when we think of Garden of Eden, we think of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, we all kind of go back to those, those images, those cartoon images or those graphics that were drawn or, you know, of kind of the, the woman and the man and they're there and they're holding an apple and there's a tree, there's a standing up Satan looking at them and serpent. And that, that's kind of what, but we forget the lessons we need to learn, the truths that come from it. You see, our pride always keeps us from experiencing forgiveness. Our isolation, you know, you know that when Eve was deceived by Satan, she was alone. So in other words, isolation is the enemy of spiritual growth. I've said that so many times, and I'll say it again over and over and over again, because when we allow ourselves to be disconnected from God's Word, when we allow ourselves to be disconnected from God's people, we quickly buy into the lies of Satan. That's why it's so important that we join together and worship together and study God's Word together and grow together, because when we grow together, we grow safer, we grow stronger, and we avoid the lies of Satan. James chapter 1, listen to what it says, verse 13. No one undergoing trial should say, I'm being tempted by God, for God is not tempted by evil, and He Himself does not tempt anyone. But now listen to these words. You ought to underline them when you get home in your Bible, James chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. But each person is tempted, and here's the statement, when he is drawn away. Think about that. We are tempted, we fall into sin when we are drawn away. In other words, when we move away from God is when we are most likely going to fall into sin. That's why we're encouraging you to read God's Word. Hide God's Word away in your heart so that I might not what? Sin. And so James chapter 1 says that each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. And so these are lessons we've got to get, we've got to understand, we've got to learn if we're going to figure out how to move past the yesterdays, forgetting what is past and looking forward to what is ahead. It requires us to stop hiding from God, to stop allowing our sin to hold us shackled in the past. We've got to stop blaming everyone else for what we've done. We have to own up to, take responsibility for our own actions. But here's the great promise that we can get from the first few chapters of Genesis. Because you would think that what happened there was a tragedy that would never be able to, anything good to come from. 
You think they ate of the tree, they disobeyed God because of that and sin entered into the world and now look at the world we've gotten. You think there's nothing good that can come from that. But there actually is because if you keep reading in Genesis chapter 3, even when God was punishing Adam and Eve, he punished them with a promise. He said, you are going to have to work for your food. But you know what he promised? You're going to have food. He said, you're going to have pain when you have a child, but you're going to have a child. And so, in other words, even in their punishment, God promised that He would be there and that God would give them joy and that God would provide. Now, if you keep reading in Genesis, as we did yesterday, you get into the story of when the world had gone really bad. And you know the story, right, that, that God sent a flood and He destroyed everything that He created, and that He found one man, Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says that he found Noah, and Noah was a righteous man because he walked in fellowship with God. And so God told Noah, build an ark, and build this ark, and I want you and your wife and your three sons and their wives to go into the ark, and I'm going to send two of every animal, seven of every, every clean animal, and I'm going to send them to you. You're going to put them in this ark, and I'm going to destroy everything there is because of sin. But in you, I'm going to provide deliverance. And so what that teaches us is even in the greatest destruction, the greatest sin, and the greatest pain that we could ever imagine, God has promised His presence and His power. What's really cool is that when all of that happened and Noah came off of the ark after all of that time there, after everything had been destroyed and yet now the rains had gone, the water had, had subsided, and now they walk out onto to the grass and they look and they see a beautiful beautiful earth that God had created, uh, he began to sacrifice to God, worship God. And listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 8, verse 21. And when the Lord smelled a pleasing aroma, he said to himself, I will never again cause the ground because of men, curse the ground because of men, even though man's inclination is evil from his youth. And I will never again strike down every living thing as I have done, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night, will not cease. Here's what God's promise was. No matter how bad yesterday was, no matter how bad yesterday was, I will always provide my presence and my power. And the story of God's Word is a constant picture of the fulfillment of that promise. Throughout all of the Old Testament, moving into the New Testament, all the way to Revelation 22, everything in God's Word is the fulfillment of that promise. No matter how bad yesterday was, God promises to be there and to bring us through. So here's the lesson we've got to learn. Yesterday stinks. We've messed up. We've blown it. It's been bad. And we cannot allow ourselves to hide in the pains of yesterday. We have to celebrate the promise of the future, the promise of tomorrow. And not just because the, you know, CNN or something tells us, you know, 2021 is going to be a good year. Not even because a preacher gets up and said, man, we're praying that this year is better than last year. No, no, no. We celebrate the promise of tomorrow because God has promised to be with us in our tomorrows. Because God has sent His Son Jesus to provide the ultimate deliverance for us so that when we mess up, which we will, when we sin, which is guaranteed, that we have the opportunity of falling to our knees before God and saying, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me of my sin. And God will say, you are forgiven, paid in full. And God leads us forward.
and we continue to grow and experience joy and peace and comfort because of him. But you will not ever experience that until you get out of the hiding in the garden, until you get out of the blaming of others and start moving towards the truth that even though we mess up, as Psalm 23 tells us, even in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear not because God is with me. God's presence is promised. And if God's presence is promised, then I can guarantee you your future is bright. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for the word that you give to us. And regardless of what passage we're reading, regardless of of where we might be studying, God, that there's always great truths that can encourage us. And God, there's nothing could be more true of your word than, than your word is what we need to make it through today. So God, guide us today, lead us today, light the path for us today. Lord, help us as we move into a brand new year to experience who you are and what you've done. And God, to put behind what yesterday is and recognize what tomorrow shall be. God, I pray that in this room, as people are gathered here watching, listening, Lord, if there's someone, Lord, that has fallen away from you, God, they've gotten away from your word, Lord, I pray that you would recognize, help them to recognize the need to just get on their knees before God and just say, God, I'm sorry. God, I turn back to you today. Maybe there's someone watching or listening or here today that has never come to that place where they've recognized, believed that Jesus is your son, that he died and that he rose again for them. Help them today in this moment to say, I believe that Jesus is the son of God who came to take away the sins of the world. I believe that he died for my sins and I believe that he rose again. Save me today through your son, Jesus. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment we're going to end our service and when we do, our altar's open. And our team is going to be gathered here. And if you're here today and you need to come and and just kneel here and just say, God, I want to get this year started right. I want to start on the right path, on the right foot. And maybe you just need to say, God, I'm sorry for the, the hiding of yesterday. I'm sorry for the blaming of yesterday. And God, I want to do it right from here on out. Maybe you want to come and kneel and do that. Maybe you want to come individually. Maybe you want to come as couples or come as families and just kneel here and say, God, we want 2021 to be the year you intended, not not us. Maybe you want to come and just talk with one of our team and say, listen, I I want to hear about this thing called the gospel. I want to hear about what it is that Jesus has done for me. And and today, allow them to, to lead you into that understanding that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. And he rose again for you. And that in his name, you can have salvation. Whatever your journey is, whatever your need is, when we, in a moment, conclude our service, this altar will be open. And it's time to start this year on the right foot. Father, I pray for every person gathered, every person listening, every person watching, Lord, that you would just help them to make sure That from this day forward, God, that what they would be doing is following after you, running after you, doing as Noah did, being found righteous because we're walking in fellowship with you. And God, for that, we give you the praise. Lead us, God, to live our lives the way you've intended. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our altar is open. 
And I want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.